Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Craig, and I'm a marijuana addict. Hey, Craig. And uh, this is the workshop for steps 10, 11, and 12. Are we all in the right place? All right. How many of us have been in any of the other step studies throughout the day? Okay. So for this one, what I think I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about each step individually, um, kind of take it all one bite at a time. And then what I'd like to do is talk about, you know, work, working the step as an addict and also how we can help others work the step, how we can help as sponsors, help people work through these steps. Because I've always felt that the really, the, the, there's, there's three main ways you, you learn about this program. One is reading all of the material, you know, whether it's in Life with Hope, or the big book, or any other, you know, litany of information that's online. You know, the second way that you learn about it is taking it with your sponsee. But one of the ways that is not always considered, you know, a way to learn about the step is when you work it with others. And I have found, you know, that some of the most, you know, fruitful learning experiences about the 12 steps of Marijuana Anonymous have been when I've worked with others in doing the steps because, you know, as we always joke, um, you don't have to have completed all your steps. You just need to be one step ahead of your sponsee and then you're good to go. For those listening at home, that was a laugh from the audience. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, in how it works, let's, let, let's just start, let's just start with reading reading steps 10, 11, and 12. I'm just gonna read them aloud. And I'm gonna put emphasis where I think that the emphasis belongs on these steps. So step 10, continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God. Praying only for the knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to marijuana addicts and to practice these principles in all our, in all our affairs. Okay, so starting with step 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So. The step talks about the inventory process. Once again, the inventory process comes up. Um, when do we take our inventory? When do we take our inventory? Step Which step? Step four. step four. Okay. So we know how to take an inventory. We know what that's all about. Right? What this step is asking us to do is continue to take inventory. So when we took inventory, just let's talk about some of the things that we looked at in our inventory. Okay, we all know the sheets, the dreaded sheets, right? Okay, so what are the, what are the categories of the sheets? There is the, the, the resentment inventory, the fear inventory, the sexual inventory, 
harm is done to others. So there's four categories we have, okay? Assets. Okay, that's, that, that, that's kind of an adjunct, but yes, absolutely. So we have these four categories that we generally cover when we do an inventory. But in this step, we're asked to continue to take personal inventory. So we've done this, this large inventory. Um, and then we've taken our fifth step with God and another human being. Okay? And we've sat down. And the way that you know, I was taught to do it was I sit down with my sponsor. And I sit down with my sponsor's sponsor. Okay? And you know, the three of us sit down with the sponsee. So we've done this before. But what we're being asked to do in this 10th step is to take a, a daily inventory. You know, we're really asked to, at the, at the end of each day, to really think about what we've done. And, you know, 86 and 87, it's not necessarily the, the 10th step, but I mean, it's a pretty darn good guide to what we're really being asked to do. Now, unfortunately, I didn't print it out and I really wanted to give it to everybody, but my sponsor actually had me, there were four pretty simple questions. You know, they were on a little strip of paper, four simple questions. Think about your actions in the day, think about the things you said to people, things about the things you, you, you thought about, you know? What did you think about? And are there any amends you need to make? It's those four simple questions. They're printed out in a little strip of paper. That strip of paper sat on my um, bathroom mirror for about eight years. And every time I brushed my teeth at night, I looked at those four questions. That's what we're really talking about in this 10th step, taking that inventory on a daily basis. So I woke up in the morning, I got dressed, I went to Starbucks. You know, I thought that the you know, young person behind the counter was a complete idiot because she didn't get my order right, okay? I then drove to work and hated everyone on the road for cutting me off. I then got to the office and thought that the people that I work with were completely stupid because they didn't see it the way I saw it. Then I got on the phone with a client and you want to talk about a real idiot. I mean, they didn't want to do what I told them to do, you know? Then I went to lunch, and that moron couldn't make the sandwich right. And then I went home, and I yelled at my wife. And I kicked the dog. And then I prayed and meditated and went to bed. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, so, so let's talk about that day. Let's talk about that day. Let's talk about what I was thinking about. And then I'm sitting there brushing my teeth and I'm looking at those questions and I'm thinking about my thought life. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm supposedly working this program and I'm taking personal inventory. Where's my thought life? You know, where's my thought life? This is the kind of inventory we're talking about. You know, this is the kind of daily inventory that we're talking about. Do I want amends to somebody at work because maybe I said something that I really shouldn't have said, you know? Maybe I should have been using my inside voice. You know, these are the kind of things that in our fourth step, we'll get to the questions. In our fourth step, 
you know, we're really talking about things that happened in the past. For the most part, we talk about those resentments. You know, we're digging deep into the past. And if we take a look at our ninth step, when we do our amends, we are making amends for things that happened years ago. Years ago. And for many of us, when we think about that ninth step, and we think about those amends, you know, the two things that come to mind, why did I hold this resentment so long? And why did it take me this long to clean my side of the street? Okay? And the great weight that is lifted off of all of our shoulders once we actually make those amends is something that I know many of you have experienced and I hope all of us at one point can, can, can experience and talk about. But what this 10th step, I believe, as I understand it, is really meant to do is to really compress that, that time period between my resentment, my action, and my amends. And I'm not going to be carrying it around the same way I carried around something for 20, 30 years. And that's really what this 10th step is. It's, it's, it's basically compressing the time period for my resentments. It's just making me feel a lot better about what's going on. Quick example of a 10th step. One of my sponsees is getting married, had a blowout, not really a blowout, but you know, his, his in-laws did something. It just, it was, it was, it was kind of inappropriate. He calls me up, calls my sponsor up, and, and he said, I need to do an emergency 10th step. Emails both of us the resentment sheet, has the people's names, has the resentment, it's all filled out. It was brilliant. I take no responsibility for, the, for my sponsee's brilliance. But he leapt into action because I think that he knew at that point he's getting married, he's going into a new relationship, he's got to deal with these people. And if he's going to go into the relationship with a resentment, he's, it, it's going to come out in some way, shape, or form sometime in the future. Nip it in the bud. Get it done now. Work through the resentment. Make the amends. Clean your side of the street. Do it now. It's going to save you a lot of pain and suffering in the future. And to me, the 10th step is just that. I am saving myself pain and suffering in the future. You know, I did something now. I clean it up now. And, that, and, and that's, that's really it. That, that's really it in a nutshell. Now we had a question. So before I started working... Let's get, get up to the mic so we can get this on tape. Name? Um, hi, I'm Dan, marijuana addict. Hey, Dan. Before I started working the 10th step, I didn't fully understand it. I thought it was just, okay, if I make a mistake, I need to apologize quickly for it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I started working through the workbook, and I saw that it was a lot more than that. And uh, I, I noticed um, that you know, there was this pretty extensive list of questions that, that, um, that I was supposed to be addressing on a daily basis. And I just wanted to, to talk a little about that and compare it to your, um, you know, you seem to have a, a much more condensed list of questions compared to what's in the, the Life with Hope workbook. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I do see a lot of value in going through that longer list, but 
you know, do you feel like it's it's good to kind of maybe customize the list? Is it okay to customize the list? Because um, you were working off of four questions. I think there's upwards of 12, 15 questions mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the Life with Hope workbook. You know, the, uh, the Life with Hope workbook is something like five or six years old. And I think the Life with Hope workbook is an amalgamation of a lot of experience of the the members of this program and you know that book was worked on you know really hard by a, by a lot of people and i think that there's a lot of different ways to work the the steps um i think you we we work these steps with a sponsor with a community and you know, I don't think that there is any, um, there, there's, there's any problem, you know, in getting as, you know, deep as you want to on a daily basis. I think, I think it's, it's of absolute value. However, one of the things we have to think about is just the practicality of life. And we're going to get into, actually, th these last two steps you know, they've been called by many the maintenance steps, and they are very much action steps. And to me, they really speak to the lifestyle of a, of a person living in recovery. So as a person living in recovery, there's certain things that we have to do. We also have to work, take care of our families, take care of our responsibilities, um, and, a, and a host of other things. So I think that to live this life and to live this lifestyle and to be able to fit in all of the things that we want to do. Some of us have more time. Some of us can be more thorough. And oftentimes I'm envious of those people who could spend more time doing this stuff. Others, you know, either, you know, have a short attention span like me or just maybe don't have the time but want to get it in somehow. So I think that you know your question is is a very uh, is a very good one in the sense that you know are we are we shorting ourselves and not really doing it to the best of our ability or are we you know are we doing half measures or are we doing too much is it kind of a waste of time you know to go to to that kind of length and I don't think that there's an answer you know I don't think that there's a definitive answer I think that um, you know with the steps in general. Each one of us knows when we're doing something to the best of our ability and giving it, you know, an honest shot and helping ourselves. And I think all of us know when we're full of shit and we're not doing it and we're giving lip service, you know, and we're trying to look good and we're saying like, you know, we're sober and it's really cool. And I'm like, you know, a spiritual guy, you know, I think we know when we're, when we're, where we're bullshitting ourselves and trying to bullshit others. So the thing that I always point to is I can't tell the difference for you. I know it for me. You have to make the decision yourself. You know, if you need to do 12 questions at the end of the day that take your own daily inventory, then you need to do 12 questions. If you, do, if you can do four and be very happy and feel like, you know, my side of the street is cleaned and I know what I need to do tomorrow to make my amends, if I own amends, then four questions is enough.
but the individual has to, for themselves, know what they need to do for their own recovery. And there comes a certain point where we all have to say to ourselves, it's like, you know, hey man, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I've got to take care of myself. And, you know, other times it's like, give me a minute, I'll be ready to roll. So there, there really is no, no set answer, okay? Any other, yeah, go ahead. Should I come too? Yes, you should. First, I want to say thank you. You're awesome, and I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, second thing is the question. Um, What's your name? Oh, um, I'm Josh C. I'm a marijuana addict. Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so what about when the person uh, for SEP10 is, is you? Mm-hmm. When the person is you that uh, – you've done yourself wrong. And rather than go into suffering, you know, need to take action. How do you or people you have worked with approach that? Okay. So, um, you know, a couple of things. One, I think that a lot of us are our own, you know, worst critics. Um, you know, I remember doing my, uh, I think it was my second fourth step and I presented the fourth step to my sponsor and you know of course start with mom dad brother grandmother you know working way down from you know kindergarten through high school and you know he's looking at it he's shuffling pages this is shuffling pages for you listening at home and he said where are you and I'm like what do you mean where, where am I he goes why aren't you on this resentment list and you know, I think it really plays directly to what, what Josh is saying. We're, we're, I think that, you know, just as human beings, we're hard on ourselves. And, you know, I, I think at a certain point we make a choice. You know, either we are going to, you know, be in self-pity or we're going to be in action. So I don't think that it's any different than, you know, taking an inventory of an action that was taken against another person. I think that, you know, we are part of our own world. We're part of our own, um, you know, group of friends. We, you know, we're part of that. So we have to look at ourselves like anyone else, and we have to take the same action that we would take for another human being. And if we, and if we do something that is, uh, you know, contrary to the way that we want to be treated or we would treat somebody else, we need to make that amends. And that can be done in, in a lot of different ways, you know? And we can, go, we can go over that maybe, you know, after. But um, I'd like to jump into step 11, if uh, there's nothing more on step 10. Is there anything more on step 10 that we want to talk about? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Come on, Don. For me, Step 10 is a continual process during the day. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, at the end of the day looking at these questions, for me, my mind is like, okay, was I just rude to that person? Or, you know, and do I need to make an immediate amends? Do you find that that's, the more you do that, it's easier to do that way? I mean, I don't know what I'm asking. 
Sure. No. No. I, I think that I think that it's uh, what you're, what you what you may be talking about is just general consciousness right. about your actions exactly. during the day. So, for me, the the fourth and fifth step, you know, were those those kind of watershed moments where looked at, at past actions, looked at past thought patterns looked at past, um, you know, relationship patterns and really understood the way that I operated for a long period of time. And it kind of opened up this greater understanding of how I might want to change my life, you know. And those patterns, those understandings, the way that we qualify them in this program is our character defects, okay? So, <laughs> so um, you know, once we understand what our character defects are, you know, we can start taking contrary action, right? And um, once we can say, start, start taking contrary action, you know, we can be conscious of when we repeat those character defects in our lives going forward. This is, this is, you know, this is all, you know, in the moment that we're in. in, that we're in. But what we're talking about is, you know, maybe we want to call it A5 after the fifth step. <laughs> you know, it all happens after the fifth step that we have this, this understanding and, and these kind of revelations about, you know, what our character defects are. So for me, the, 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 one of the greatest values of the steps in general is just being able to see a little further ahead than I did before, you know, which is like going into a situation, sitting in a room with another person or having a, you know, let's not call it a confrontation, but let's, let's call it a conversation with a person. And generally, I would say this, but this time it's like, I know I'd say that, but I know what would happen if I say that. So I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say this. You know? It's, it's, just, it's just being able to see just a little further ahead so that I don't have to make an amends. That's right. That's right. That's, that's it. So when you're talking about being conscious in the, in the moment that we're in, yes, that is, a, I think, a direct result of doing that fourth and fifth step with a sponsor, so that when it comes to the 10th step and we're really reviewing our day, a lot of the stuff we're reviewing is good stuff, you know? I reacted pretty good in that situation. I could have reacted better in that situation. I don't really want amends, but you know what? You know, there, there's something I could have done more skillfully. And then there's those things like, yeah, you know what? I really do owe an amends to that person. But I think that the 10th step is, you know, it's not... The 10th step is not reviewing like a demolition job, you know? The 10th step is really, you know, what we call in construction a punch list, where it's like there's little things that need to be fixed, you know? You're walking through, everything is okay. Ooh, there's a scuff on that, on that floorboard. We need to get the painter in to just touch that up, you know? That's the kind of thing that I think the 10th step is. You know, and, and occasionally, you know what? It's, 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 it's a full rehab. You know, it's a full rehab job. Okay. All right. So let's go to, to uh, step 11. 
Saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. So to me, this step is really where, as I kind of alluded to in the beginning, um, the lifestyle, you know, saw through prayer and meditation. So, you know, my sponsor, I call him up and, you know, I have this issue that I want to talk to him about. And he says to me every single time, and I know it's coming. I know it's coming. He said, did you pray? Did you meditate? Pisses me off every single time because I know he's going to say it. But what he's really saying is, did you apply the principles of our program? Did you live the way we live and do the things that we do as recovering or as some would say recovered people? Did you do the things that we do? And when it says, saw through prayer and meditation to approve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, asking only, or excuse me, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. What this step says to me is that our lives are lives that incorporate prayer and meditation. And in that prayer, we are praying without an agenda. And the only thing that we are asking for is guidance. And the only thing that we want in this relationship is the power, the ability to go out and to manifest that guidance. So what, what does that look like? What does that look like for the average person? Wake up in the morning. You know, if your house is like my house, it's complete fucking chaos in the morning. Dogs barking, wife screaming across the house, you know, expecting me to like, you know, hear her three rooms away perfectly. <laughs> All instructions being <laughs> you know, taken in. Um, ABC News blaring out just more chaos. <laughs> Emails like, like my, you know, flashing away with people wanting things from me. <laughs> but I somehow have to incorporate prayer and meditation. So this is how I do it. Wife works downtown. I've decided I'm not going to be the first one into the office anymore, in my office, because it doesn't matter. What matters to me today is that I'm able to sit and meditate for a period of time and then be able to pray. And we'll take it one at a time. So she leaves the house. When she leaves the house, I'm dressed for work. First thing that happens is, all the lights go off. It's, you know, it's morning, so, it's, you know, it's bright in the house. But all the lights go off. Everything gets turned off. TV gets turned off. The minute she leaves, the TV gets turned off. Music gets turned off, whatever. All electronics get turned off, okay? I sit down in my chair, and I go, my phone, and I go to my app, 
my meditation app, which basically has my timer, and the gongs go off, sit down quietly, the gongs go off, and the dogs know when they hear the gongs, they go down. They, they see me go down, they go down. And I sit there and, my, and I meditate. But, you know, this is not, this is not you know, um, something that is maybe the lifestyle of the person that I live with or, the, or you know, the, the, the station beings that are in my house, you know. But this is just something that I do. But I've, I've you know, I've calculated it. I've, I've made sure that I've, I've made a space. So they're gone. Everything goes off. I sit and I meditate. And then when the gongs go off again, five, 10, if I can do 15 minutes, and they go off, you know, I pray. And the way that I pray is known as um, scientific prayer. And it's, it's basically, it's a treatment. And it has, you know, I really don't want to go into it, but it's got five sections and it's basically, you know, it, it, the, the, it's, it's an acknowledgement of what is in my life and an understanding of the good in my life and me accepting that good for myself and for you. And then I'm ready to go out and deal with everybody else. As I understood, as, as I've been taught, you know, the steps are how I deal with me. The traditions are how I deal with you. So before I actually go deal with you, I've got to go deal with my inside life. And that 11th step is about our inside life. So this is not, you know, th this, is, this is the graduate program, <laughs> you know. This is, not, this is not, you know, the undergrad program of dealing with, you know, our resentments, our fears, and all that stuff. This is when, you know, you've taken that seventh step. You've crossed that threshold. You've, you're no longer auditing this class and you've basically made the decision for yourself that you are going to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand God. And you're going to live this life in recovery and sobriety. And you're going to do the things that people who do this deal do. And one of them is prayer and meditation. Listening for the guidance, the meditation part. Listening for the guidance is a meditation part. Asking and communicating with your higher power. That's the prayer part. And for me, the way that, that I understand, you know, the, the way that I do prayer is, is, is really just praying without an agenda and asking God simply. And, you know, God is just a really easy three-letter word that means whatever you want it to mean, you know? But when I say the word God, it's just so you know what I'm talking about. Okay? It doesn't mean what you think it means. Well, it means what you think it means. It means what you think it means. And it's an easy way for me to say it so I can identify with the God that you believe in. So. It's also, the 11th step is also about setting up that practice, you know? Once, once we've decided that we're going to do this deal and we are going to live this way, it's up to us. And this is, you know, you can, you can talk to your sponsor about it. You can talk to your fellows about it. But 
you've got to set up your own practice. You've got to set up your life the way you want to live it. And to make that connection so you can listen to the message and have that co-creative relationship with your higher power, you got to put yourself in a position to do that. We all do. You know, it's not something that we can do through osmosis. You know, it, it's, it's, it's another one of those action steps. So when we say saw through prayer and meditation, that's an active practice of seeking, you know, to seek is a verb. It means actually going out and looking, doing something, you know? And again, this, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think we know when we are, you know, actually seeking a relationship with a higher power, when we are sitting in meditation, um, you know, I'm going to blow this quote again, but, um, you know, meditation is nothing more than just, you know, kind of a, it's just a desire to be quiet, you know? I mean, that's in its, in its most simplest form. I think it's just a desire to be quiet and to quiet the mind as best we can, and it doesn't always work. But even just sitting quietly and closing your eyes and having that moment, is, it means a great deal for, for many people. I am no expert on meditation. If you want to talk about meditation, go talk to George. I'm not your guy. <laughs> I'm not your guy. Um, but it's something that, that, that actively has to be done. It's something that, that we all really need to take an active role in our own spiritual life. And, and this 11th step is really, you know, another threshold that we're crossing as people in recovery. Um, what I'd love to hear from some people is, you know, Talk to me about just your daily practice, like the mundane daily practice that keeps you centered. You know, the, the daily practice of prayer and meditation. Do you have one? Go ahead. Hit the mic. Hi, I'm Dan, marijuana addict. Um, I'm actually blessed to work in a unique workplace where um, we actually have meditation breaks, and um, you know, it was. I've worked at this place for quite some time, and I've only come to be doing this on a daily basis recently because I was, to be quite honest, I was intimidated. Um, the people there had a lot more experience in meditating, and frankly, I wasn't sure if I could do it correctly. Um, but um, when I got into counseling a couple of years ago, I was encouraged to start meditating to help me with my anxiety, um, to help me relax. And I asked her the same question. And I, you know, I was like, ah, I don't know if I can do this. So she introduced me to some guided meditations. And to make a long story short, I've really come to look forward to these 15-minute meditation breaks that I am um, 
basically doing every day now. It started slow, um, but now it's something that I, I really, really look forward to. Um, but I have to work on the prayer piece. Mm -hmm. And um, I think my success in meditation, I think, will lend itself to the prayer piece because knowing it was something I was unsure of and uh, that I have been able to gravitate to is helpful for me. And it also kind of relates to the fact that, um, you know, the idea of God when I first came into this program uh, was difficult for me. I was very skeptical about the idea of God and had some things in my life that, that made it hard for me to say that word out loud. Um, but accepting God, it, it's actually worked for me. And, um, yeah, that, that's really what I have to say on that. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. Does anybody have uh, a daily practice, like something that they, that they just do every day? Go ahead, please. Lane, marijuana hey, Lane, how are you? I do the third step prayer every morning while my coffee maker is running. When I get out of bed, the first when my foot hits the floor, first thing I, I try to think of is God, but I always remember the third step prayer while well, in that still sleepy phase until that coffee thing is done. That's the, now, I don't meditate regularly. It's only once in a while I find the time. I haven't made a regular part, but just that prayer I've been able to make. It's, it's clean, it's simple, it's where I'm at, it's where I want to be at, and it just fits right into my day. Mm -hmm. just that part. Thank you. Does anybody have an altar or a space in their home that they've set aside? The children. Go ahead. It's just a space. I have the, a cushion, <coughs> like a little blanket. Type of light in there, and a, a picture of someone that died that uh, I thought was a very spiritual person. Mm -hmm. And after I set up the room, I found I wasn't using it. Why not? This is one of my character defects, but I'm trying to get back into it. You know, I, I think that I think that being deliberate in the way that we approach the eleventh step is a good strategy for actually following through with it because any kind of lifestyle, any kind of practice is all about the repetition and all about the follow through. And, you know, setting an intention is a good thing. Um, I ask sponsees when they are in this 11th step to share about it in the meeting that they go to and to get up and say, my name is blank. You know, I'm, I'm doing my 11th step with my sponsor and, you know, I really want to start meditating every morning and praying and, you know, want to set up a space in my house to actually do this. And just the, the, the activity of, of putting it out there, you know, it's like, they always say, it's like, you know, Hey man, don't, don't tell the universe, the universe will react. <laughs> you know, you put it out there, you're going to have to, you're going to have to take action. 
you know? So I think that it, it's like anything else we do in our lives. You know, if we put it out there, you know, there, there will be a cause and effect of what we do. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But again, you know, this 11th step, this, this, this living this lifestyle, this incorporating prayer and meditation, this actively seeking uh, direction, and, you know, asking for the resources to take and execute that direction, you know, these are things that we have to, we have to put into motion. And the way to put that into motion is to be, you know, very direct about how we're going to do that and, and, and saying it. And sometimes it's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. Oh, yeah, I'm pray. Tomorrow, it's on. Tomorrow, we pray and we meditate. No, no. Swear to God. I mean, well, sorry. Did I say that? <laughs> you, know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, you just have to, you know, and then, and then one day you're going to find yourself praying and meditating. But again, it's sort of like, for all of us, this is, you know, it, it, to me, it, you know, look, I don't care. I think it's a monumental thing when you really, you know, are that person, you know, who is really praying and meditating and not just talking about it in meetings, but actually doing it and incorporating it into your life to the point where it's, it's nothing, you know, new, special or different. It's just who you are. You know, just like that same person who jogs or, you know, gets up at 5.30 a.m. and runs like five miles before going to work. You know, they don't go into the office every day and say, yep, did my five miles this morning. I'm great. Just do it. Swoosh. <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't, they don't do that. You know, it's just what they do. And they probably do it because it feels good. And they probably do it because it, it's good for them. <laughs> mind, body, and spirit. And that's what I think this 11th step is. You know, for us as addicts, working a program of recovery, this is something that we need to do for ourselves for two reasons. One, it activates that conscious contact between us and our higher power. And it creates the relationship between our higher power where we are actually having a co-creative relationship, understanding, direction, and receiving knowledge and power to carry out that direction. Okay. Step 12. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, awakening. I'll say that again. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to marijuana addicts and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Okay, there's three things going on in this step. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. You have worked these steps with your sponsor and by virtue of working these steps with your sponsor, you have had a spiritual awakening. Now you say, Craig, 
<laughs> a lot has gone on, but I don't really feel like I've had a spiritual awakening. So a spiritual awakening does not necessarily have to involve thunder and lightning. Okay? It doesn't necessarily have to involve a burning bush. It doesn't necessarily have to involve any, any climactic event. It can be as simple as, I notice the sun is shining now. It can be as simple as, I don't wake up angry. It can be as simple as, it's morning and I don't want to kill myself. You know, your spiritual awakening can only be defined by you. You know, one of my spiritual awakenings was it's 8 a.m. and I don't want to smoke pot. That to me was a spiritual awakening. Okay, so so, you know, when we think of when, when we think of the, the spiritual awakening in the, um, you know, the Ten Commandments kind of you know, dynamic where seas are parting and, you know, Israelites are fleeing and, you know, you know, all that good stuff. I mean, look, I'd love to have, you know, one of those, you know, MGM Louis B. Mayer's, you know, spiritual experiences. But, my, you know, I just, I just didn't, didn't have that spiritual experience. I just woke up one morning and everything seemed to be right. And before that, everything was just wrong, you know? Or, or, or maybe that's what I focused on. But, you know, I just woke up one day and it was like, you know, everything is pretty cool. I didn't, I, you know, before, before I came into this program, that, that feeling, that thought really never crossed my mind. So when we talk about a spiritual awakening, I want everyone in this room to think about, you know, their spiritual awakening and put it into a context that they can really understand. What was your spiritual awakening? You know, as the result of these steps, you went through all 12 steps with the sponsor. And then you woke up one day and something in your life was different. What was it? What was it that was different? And how did these steps create that, that difference in your life? Okay, that's the, first, that's the first element. That's the first element. The second element of this step is we tried to carry this message to marijuana addicts. We tried to carry this message to marijuana addicts. Okay, we're not a cult, we're not a religion, we're a 12-step group. Its primary purpose is to help the addict who still suffers in and out of these rooms, okay? How do we carry the message? How do we do it? We don't proselytize. We're pretty careful with our public outreach you know, I mean, you know, we've had some, some TV and some radio ads, but how do we carry the message? We carry the message two ways. Two ways. One, 
actually, three ways. Let's go three ways. One, through a New Leaf Publications. We publish materials. They're free. You can go online and you can get them. Two, we have meetings. We even hold a, you know, we throw a convention every year. You guys should go. Um, and three, we have meetings. Okay, that's, as an organization, that's how we carry the message. But in the context of the 12 steps, when we talk about carrying the message, and it's a personal thing, how do we do that? You know, we sit in meetings as individuals. We share with other people. You know, sometimes we give them our opinions. Other times they come up and they talk to us and they ask us questions. But I think the best way as addicts that we can carry this message is being a demonstration of the things that we believe about this program. Is, is living the life of a recovered person, living the life of a recovered person and letting people see the way we live. Now, when you've heard this, oh God, a million times, when somebody says, you know, I want what that person has. To me, that's the greatest way of anybody carrying the message. When they walk into a room and they, and they see somebody like my friend John, and they say, you know what? I sat in the room with this guy for a year and I want what he has, okay? They probably don't know anything about his life. You know, they, right? you know, they don't know, they, they don't know the kind of car he drives, they don't know, you know, that, you know, what his wife looks like. She's pretty good looking, but <laughs> I digress. But, but, you know, they don't know anything about him. All they know is the way he carries himself and the way he talks and the way he, he interacts with people in the meetings. That's what they know about him. And there's, some, there's an energy of that person that they say, I want what that person has. That's the way that we carry the message in this room. You know, the way we share about the topic, and we don't talk about, you know, the mundane things and whine about, you know, the things, you know, you know I want, why me, fuck you, you know? None of that. It's sort of like, this is what's going on in my life and this is what I'm trying to do. You know, this is, this is, this is what I'm trying to do to find a solution for what's going on in my life. That, to me, is the best way to carry the message. You know, be a demonstration of the solutions that we find in this program. Try to be a demonstration of the solutions that we find in these steps and these traditions. Live by the principles of the traditions, which leads us to the third part of the 12th step. Practice these principles in all of our affairs. Now. Talked about the steps a lot, now we're gonna to go to the traditions. Now the traditions each carry a set of principles. Each carry a set of principles. And you've seen them a million times. And actually, there are lists of principles for the traditions. You know, there's like a million different ones. There's a million different ones that we see. Um, and Those principles are the way that we are asked to live our lives through honesty, openness, um, being, um, being kind to people. Um, again, 
when we, when we talk about these traditions, this is the way that we deal with people in the program on a program level. But the principles that are associated with each one of these traditions are the way that we deal with people outside of the rooms. So when we talk about practicing these principles in all of our affairs, here are the things that I think we're talking about. In our work lives, you know, we can't cheat people. We can't lie to people, you know. We can't, um, you know, defame people. We can't speak ill of other people, you know. We can't go home and, you know, treat our family poorly. You know, we can't do things that other people may think are absolutely fine for their lives. You know, we are basically taking a look at this set of principles tied to these traditions, and we are being asked to treat people the same way that we would treat them if they were an addict in our fellowship. And that's not always easy. You know, anybody who's a business person and is out there knows that, you know, many people don't live a principled life. You know, I'm going to get mine and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get mine. And if that means you get crushed, so be it. Well, I mean, would you ever walk into the room and say, I'm going to get sober. And if any of you motherfuckers have to die for me to get sober, that's just the way it's going to have to be. Have you ever heard another guy say that? All right. Now, in business, have you heard people say that? Yeah, okay. All right. Maybe not to that, you know. Well, actually, things have changed, so, you know. It's a new day. <laughs> um, I'm being a little dramatic, but again, when we talk about practicing these principles in all of our affairs, it means the same way in our 11th step where we're living a life in recovery and we're setting ourselves up for spiritual practice. In the 12th step, we're also setting ourselves up to live a principled life where certain activities where we have taken part in, in the past, are no longer acceptable for the life that we live today. So, the 10th step, cleaning up our side of the street as quickly as we possibly can and seeing a little further ahead so we don't make mistakes that we're gonna to have to make amends for. The 11th step, creating a spiritual practice in our lives that includes prayer and meditation and a relationship with our higher power where we ask for guidance and we seek to have the resources to execute that guidance. And the 12th step, having had this spiritual awakening, what we try to do is to live a principled life and help other people by being a demonstration of the things that we believe. And that's how I maintain my recovery on a daily basis. It's as simple as that. Are there any questions?
okay, let's crash the women's forum. <laughs> Alrighty. So I guess the spiritual awakening could be just as simple as realizing 